0: Welcome to the L.A. Public Health Podcast for Monday, July 12th, 2021. I'm Steve Baldwin, and today's episode covers the press briefing held last Thursday, July 8th, including an update from Dr. Barbara Ferrer, Director of the Los Angeles County Department of Public Health. To keep up with the latest updates and guidance on COVID-19, you can follow us across all social media at L.A. Public Health, or visit our website, publichealth.com dot lacounty.gov and now here's Dr.
1: Ferrer thank you so much and and good afternoon everyone thanks for joining me for today's briefing Uh, this afternoon I'll be sharing an update on cases hospitalizations deaths and vaccinations by age race and ethnicity and geography I'll also provide updated information about the delta variant in LA county information on our efforts to improve vaccine access and build confidence in the vaccines and updates on breakthrough cases. I'm gonna close with strategies uh, for protecting workers and workers' rights. Uh, I'll take the first slide. Uh, We are sad to report 11 additional deaths today. 10 of the people who died had underlying health conditions and this does bring the total number of deaths to 24,525. In L. A county, we share our deepest condolences with those of you who have lost friends, loved ones and family during this most difficult time. We're also reporting 839 new cases today. This is a 165% increase over last week. And it brings the total number of cases in L. A county to 1,254,354. Our daily average case rate has now jumped to 3.5 cases per 100,000 people. And this also is an increase from last week's case rate of 1.74 cases per 100,000 people. There are 296 people currently hospitalized with COVID-19 and we have 48 open investigations at residential congregate settings and non-residential settings where there's at least one confirmed case of COVID-19. To date, more than 7 million people have been tested and had test results reported in L.A. County. Uh, Our daily test positivity rate is now 2.5%, an increase from last week's test positivity rate of 1.2%. We'll go on to the next slide. This graph shows trend lines in cases, hospitalizations, and deaths in our county from March 1st of this year through June 30th. We do continue to see an uptick in cases and hospitalizations. Deaths fortunately continue to be relatively low, but as hospitalizations continue to increase, we anticipate that deaths might also increase. We'll take the next slide. The rises in cases and hospitalizations that we're seeing are not distributed equally among our residents. On this slide, you can see the age adjusted case hospitalization and death rates among all racial and ethnic groups over 2 week periods ending 1st, uh, May 29th. And then the 2nd, period ending June 26th of this year. When we look at the rates of new cases, we can see that over the month preceding June 26. Cases began to increase among all racial and ethnic groups. Although the significant, uh, the most significant increase was among black residents. Where the case rate increased from 38 cases per 100,000 people to 65 cases per 100,000 people. That's an increase of about 170%. We also saw case rates rise by 122% among Latinx residents, 137% among white residents and 166% among Asian residents. Over the same interval, while hospitalization rates decreased slightly, Uh, around 20 to 30% amongst Latinx and white residents, hospitalization rates have been trending slightly upward by about five to 15% uh, among black and Asian residents. Death rates fortunately have not followed the same pattern, decreasing by a substantial proportion across all of our racial and ethnic groups. Past increases in hospitalizations have generally led a few weeks later to proportionate increases in deaths. I'm hopeful, however, that with the very high vaccination rates among older residents and many of those who have underlying health conditions, that we won't see uh, such a large increase or proportionate increase in deaths following this increase in hospitalizations, but we will need to wait uh, and see what the data tells us. Even without the same level of threat to the healthcare system as we experienced during the surge, these rising case rates and disproportionality, uh, disproportionately increasing case rates among Black and Latinx residents are concerning, and they do require targeted action to prevent bad outcomes among those who have already, frankly, suffered the most. Slowing transmission back down is our best protection against viral mutations that create more dangerous variants. We'll go on to the next slide. Knowing that there's additional risk among those not yet vaccinated, and that includes the 1.3 million children under 12 and the many teens not yet vaccinated, we're closely monitoring transmission rates among children and youth. This graph shows the spread of cases among children younger than 18 years by race and ethnicity. While we're seeing again, similar to a pattern in adults, increasing case rates across all groups. The case rate in black children, indicated by the orange line, has been rising much faster than the case rates in other groups. Since May 31st, the case rate amongst Latinx children rose from 15 to 21 cases per 100,000. That's about a 40% increase, while the case rate amongst black children rose from 15 to 65 cases per 100,000. That's a 430% increase. As transmission increases across communities with lower vaccination rates, those that are not yet protected by the vaccine remain very vulnerable to becoming infected. And this includes children and teens. This is particularly true if there's more gathering with unvaccinated friends and family, especially in indoor settings. This data serves as an important reminder about the need for masking and infection control among those not yet vaccinated. With good prevention measures, almost all of this transmission can be stopped before it starts. We'll go on to the next slide. With the recent rise in cases, tracking the proliferation of variants of concern remains a priority as we seek to better understand the factors that may be contributing to increased community transmission. Lately, we and the rest of the world have been watching particularly closely for Delta variants, which were first detected in India And which are now estimated to comprise about half of US cases. We're especially concerned about this variant because it appears to be highly transmissible. That is, it's more contagious than than even other highly contagious COVID variants. And because there's a concern that it also may cause more severe infections than other COVID variants. While emerging data affirms that fully vaccinated people are well protected from severe infections with data with delta variants people that have only one vaccine need to know that they are not as well protected and there's also evidence that a very small number of fully vaccinated individuals can become infected and may be able to infect others this slide shows the variants that are identified by both the public health lab and a group of other california labs from 7,289 specimens that are linked with L. A county residents. Delta variants are represented in this bright yellow and the bright yellow that's in the bars on this chart. And you can see, we started seeing small numbers of uh, delta variant cases among L. A county residents back in early April. And we're continuing to see an increase in delta variants as a proportion of variants of concern obtained by our sequencing. On this chart, you could see that the Delta variant has been the most commonly sequenced variant in LA County since the beginning of June, and it now accounts for the majority of variants of concern that are identified by the labs. We can go on to the next slide. Uh, this trend line shows the trajectory of the Delta variant among specimens sequenced by all of the labs uh, that were serving Southern California, including the LA County's public health lab. The number of sequences collected between June 20th and 26 that, that had Delta variants isolated was 63, and that's 54% of all of our sequences that were collected that week. And you can see that on this blue trend line on the table. Because the decisions on which specimens to sequence are often driven by the management of outbreaks or by an effort to understand vaccine breakthrough cases, we're not able to generalize from these data to the broader population, but as we've noted before, the rising proportion of Delta among sequence variants of concern is consistent with what other parts of the US are seeing. And for certain, it represents increased circulation of the variant. Given that we've got still slightly under 4 million residents in LA County not yet vaccinated, the risk of increased spread remains very high. Take the next slide. One of the fears uh, that some have about the Delta variant is that fully vaccinated people will not be as protected from infection with these variants as they are against other variants of COVID. The data to date suggests that this is not the case. This slide compares the vaccination status of L. A county residents among those whose samples yielded any of the top 3 variants identified during the month of June. The most compelling information from this table is how very few people who are fully vaccinated are infected by the variants. Uh, the orange part of, uh, of the bar represents all the unvaccinated folks. Um, the, uh, and, and this is true, even though fully vaccinated people are more likely to have had their specimen sequenced than those who are unvaccinated, because we absolutely try to sequence samples from everybody who's fully vaccinated to better understand the source of infection. It's also important to note that overall, the proportion of post vaccination infections was similar across the variant types. Among the people's, the people whose samples yielded Delta variants about 11% were fully vaccinated. You can compare that with 9% of alpha. That's what we previously called the UK variants. And 7% of the gamma variants, and that's what we previously called Brazil variants, and 11% of all our other variants. The differences among these percentages are really too small for them to be statistically significant, and they don't suggest that there are large differences in the risks that the variants are posing to fully vaccinated people, which is really quite minimal. We'll take the next slide. The data that we uh, show week after week uh, continues to make it increasingly clear that vaccines remain the most important tool we have to keep COVID transmission and the incubation of variants low. Although vaccination administration has slowed, we are still making some progress, as you can see on this slide. As of July 4th, we've administered nearly 10.6 million doses of vaccine across the county, including almost 5.9 million first doses and nearly 4.7 million second doses. This means that about uh, 5.7 million LA County residents have received one dose and about 5 million are fully vaccinated. Among LA County residents 16 and over, 69%, really almost 70% have received one dose of the vaccine and 60% are fully vaccinated. Among our seniors 65 and older, 88% have received one dose of the vaccine and 77% are fully vaccinated. We can go on to the next slide. While millions have done their part by getting vaccinated, we continue to see fewer folks than we'd like to see getting their first doses of vaccine week to week. As you can see from the vaccination trends represented on this slide, between June 28th and July 4th, we administered close to 60,000 doses across the entire county network. And while the number's likely to increase because of the lag in reporting, it is highly unlikely to reach the 100,000 doses we're hoping to administer each week. As cases increase, the urgency to get more people vaccinated is rising. We'll take the next slide. Although it's disappointing that overall vaccination numbers are lower than we need them to be, there are continued increases in vaccinations among younger age groups. As of July 4th, 39% of our 12 to 15 year olds have received at least one vaccine, as have 54% of uh, youth, 16 to 17. Meanwhile, vaccinations in the 18 to 29 year olds rose to 57%. And the percent of 30 to 49 year olds vaccinated rose to reach 65%. Next slide. At the same time that we're seeing these rises in cases and hospitalizations disproportionately affecting children and adults of different races and ethnicities, we're also seeing gaps between these groups when it comes to vaccination. For individuals 16 and over, 45% of black residents and 54% of Latinx residents have received at least one dose of the vaccine. And we're not really seeing, as you can tell on this table, a very significant relative increases in these groups. And that makes it difficult to make progress closing the gaps. of American Indian, 65% of white, and 76% of Asian residents are vaccinated. We'll go to the next slide. When we look at age groups by race and ethnicity, as we have on this slide, we continue to see the same troubling gaps among teens and younger adults that we've been noting over the past few weeks. Among both the 12 to 15 and the 16 to 17 age groups, between one quarter and two thirds, as many Black and Latinx teens are getting vaccinated as their American Indian, Alaska Native, white, and Asian counterparts. The data also continues to show a significant gap among young adults, 18 to 29 year olds, where 28% of Black adults in this category and 43% of Latinx adults have been vaccinated, compared to 76% of Asian residents and 58% of white residents. This disproportionality persists uh, among our 30 to 49 year olds. And in this group, about half as many black adults have been vaccinated as their Asian and white counterparts. It's particularly worrisome to see persistent gaps among young and middle-aged adults because they make up such an important part of our workforce. And many of them are also members in communities where, as I've just noted, cases are rising. Building vaccine confidence and taking sensible public health actions to provide protection to unvaccinated uh, individuals in these groups remains one of our highest priorities. The next slide. The most powerful way to protect those in hard hit communities, many of whom are, as I noted, our essential workers, is going to be to close the vaccination gaps. However, as you can see on these slides, those gaps in health outcomes persist and are widening between groups. The age-adjusted case incident rate in black residents is 65 new cases per 100,000 people, and that's two and a half times the incident rate in Latinx residents whose case rates are themselves two and a half times those among Asian residents. The age-adjusted hospitalization rate in black residents is 9.3 hospitalizations per 100,000 people. That's almost two times that of Latinx residents and more than five times as high as Asian residents. The primary reason that we anticipate explains this gap is gonna be reflected in the differences in vaccination rates. 75% of Asian residents are vaccinated compared to 45% of black residents. These overall trends are also going in the wrong direction for everyone and are particularly concerning given the proliferation of the Delta variant. Right now, people have the lowest levels of protection from this virus in the communities where transmission is the highest, but among all of our communities, transmission is going up. We'll take the next slide. I mentioned earlier that the disproportionality in our cases tracks with the disproportionality in our vaccination rates. And I've shared data that shows the differential burden that's borne by people based on race and ethnicity. The maps on this slide show that these gaps also track by geography. On the left is a map showing the percent of people in each L. A county community that's received at least 1 dose of the vaccine as of June 16th. On the right is a map showing the 14 day case rate per 100,000 people in each community. As of a month later, as you can see the areas with the lowest percent vaccinated, and you can see some of this, we tried to highlight some of the areas in the red circle on the left. Uh, and these are indicated by those lighter shades of brown, are the same areas with the highest case rates in the red circle on the right, indicated by the darker shades of green. And this information is available on our website, and you can look at it yourself. You can look at it by the community you live in or a community that you're interested in better understanding both the vaccination coverage rate as well as the case rates. I will go on to the next slide. Uh, to close these gaps, we're going to need to continue to make sure it's as easy as possible for eligible L. A county residents to get vaccinated. And for that reason, we continue to offer vaccines at so many different places across the county this week. There's 767 sites that offer vaccinations and this is. Uh, includes our pharmacies, clinics, community sites, hospitals. Um, uh, we have some schools that are uh, heavily involved now with permanent sites. And you can see that many of our vaccination sites are also concentrated in areas that have been hard hit by the pandemic. You know, as a reminder, you can obtain vaccines at all of the county run sites, the LA city run sites, just about every mobile site, and most of the community sites without any appointment. Uh, Many sites are open on the weekends and they do have evening hours. So please check vaccinatelacounty.com to find a site near you. Uh, we'll go on to the next slide. And as always, you know, one of the primary strategies is being able to bring vaccines to where people already are at. And that makes use of the mobile vaccine uh, teams. And these are just the county-sponsored mobile vaccine teams. So I want to remind folks that there are uh, lots of other healthcare providers as well that have their own mobile teams uh, that actually augment the work that our teams are able to do. Uh, we ha- on the blue markers here represent the 173 sites where mobile teams are offering vaccinations this week. The number's a little bit lower than it's been in recent weeks, but that was due to the federal independence day holiday. Uh, that occurred earlier this week, the mobile vaccine teams continue to work with employers, businesses and community organizations to bring vaccines to places where residents are gathering or workers are gathering. Um, There's a form on the website uh, for anyone to request a mobile team, and we do encourage employers and event organizers to let us know as soon as possible if they're willing and able to host a team. Um, We can go on to the next slide, Um, but in addition to bringing uh, to having established and mobile sites uh, in the neighborhoods where they're needed the most, we've also been conducting door to door outreach uh, to let residents know about vaccination opportunities. Uh, particularly to let them know about three of our newest vaccination sites. Between late June and early July, staff from our vaccine sites and groups of community health workers from partnering community based organizations visited dozens of businesses and hundreds of residents at their homes near our three new vaccination sites. One's in Commerce, one's in, Nor- in Norwalk, and one is at Ted Watkins Park. The stories that we hear from these outreach teams about the results of their work affirmed the effectiveness of one-on-one vaccination education. One team reported an encounter with a business owner whose store they visited. Uh, The gentleman later came to one of the vaccination sites with one of his employees that had questions and concerns about the vaccines. Members of the vaccination team were able to talk with the employee about the effectiveness of the vaccine and explain the history of the mRNA vaccines and how they work. The employee ultimately decided to get the vaccine then and there to the resounding applause from all the staff and the other residents that were getting vaccinated at the site. As one of the staff members called and uh, recalled, and I'll paraphrase her words, it was truly rewarding knowing that we didn't necessarily convince this client, but educated her well enough so she felt comfortable making an informed decision. Hopefully she's able to tell her story to others and pass along good information about the vaccines to friends and family. We'll go on to the next slide. And and this is, I think one of the most important ways to be able to build trust in the vaccines is is have lots of people willing to share their stories and to uh, be able to have access to really good information about uh, vaccinations. Um, Through, I just wanna also note that through all of the vaccination sites uh, and our mobile efforts, we are making progress in getting vaccines to residents in the zip codes that have the lowest scores on the healthy places index. Um, and and in, you know, many of you are familiar, we haven't uh, really shown this slide for a while, but I think it's important to note that we remain committed to improving vaccination rates. In uh, communities that uh, really have the least uh, amount of health, affirming resources. Um, And we're administering a larger percent of doses to people living in communities with fewer resources um, compared with California overall. Um, The light blue bars represent LA County's percent of administered doses for the week of June 28th through July 4th. The dark blue bars represent LA County's cumulative percent of administered doses, and these orange bars represent California's percent of administered doses. Um, On the left are the allocation of doses to what we call those people who are living in communities uh, that, in fact, uh, have the least health-affirming resources. And for us, have, in fact, also been the hardest-hit communities. For the week of June 28th through July 4th, the network of providers in LA County administered 44% of doses to people living in communities uh, in this lowest uh, HPI quartile. Cumulative, cumulatively, cumulatively, uh, LA counties administered about 33% of all of the doses to residents in these hard hit communities. And we do remain focused on equitably bringing vaccines and high quality health information uh, to all of our residents and uh, in all of our communities. With a particular focus on those communities that have been hard hit next slide. Uh, And as we noted last week, uh, we're watching very carefully and we'll be reporting on a a weekly basis, the proportion of fully vaccinated people who test positive are hospitalized for or tragically pass away due to COVID. This graphic presents these numbers in LA County. And uh, again, a reminder that the circles here are not to scale. We looked at positive tests in the group of more than 4.6 million LA County residents who achieved full vaccination status from the time we began vaccinating in December through July 6th. Among those fully vaccinated people, we identified 2,822 people. Remember, it was 4.6 million people uh, who were fully vaccinated. We identified 2,822 people who tested positive for a COVID infection, contracted more than two weeks after they were fully vaccinated. That means that about 0.06% of all fully vaccinated people tested positive for COVID, 195 people or 0.004% of those fully vaccinated were hospitalized for COVID infections contracted while they were fully vaccinated and 21 people, unfortunately, passed away from their infections. And that's about 0.0004%. These numbers remain very similar to the numbers we saw when we last looked at post vaccination infections last week, with a very tiny increase only in case rates that went from about 0.05% to 0.06%. We'll be watching these closely in the weeks and months to come and continue to provide a regular updates. Next slide. Uh, because we're, we're so grateful, uh, particularly now with the rising cases, to everyone who does their part to protect themselves and their communities, we are continuing to extend thank you gifts to residents who come in to get vaccinated. And I want to express my gratitude uh, to our many partners who work so hard to improve vaccination coverage uh, across the county. We appreciate the support of our sports teams, event venues, and local attractions, in helping to encourage those not yet protected to get informed and get vaccinated. Beginning tomorrow through next Thursday at county-run vaccination sites, LA City sites, and St. John's Well Child and Family Center sites, everyone 18 and older coming to get a vaccine will have an opportunity to win one of seven packages of concert tickets. Prizes will include tickets to see Celine Dion, Grupo Firma, Kane Brown, Luke, Brian, and Dan and Shay at the Staples Center. And there are also box seats to four classical concerts at the Hollywood Bowl. <clears throat> we greatly appreciate the generosity of our partners at all of these fabulous attractions. With their support, seven lucky people will get to enjoy both protection by vaccination and a thrilling show at an iconic LA County venue. You can see the official rules on the county website for details, and over the next week, Please make time to get your vaccine. Go on to the next slide. Earlier this week, we posted some new documents to the guidance section of our website outlining worker rights and employer obligations. We're hopeful that the new fact sheets make it easy for businesses to provide safe environments for their workers. The fact sheets include business requirements as well as best practices. As the document with the purple header indicates, our county health officer order requires businesses to report clusters of three or more cases among employees within 14 days to the Department of Public Health, and it requires masks for unvaccinated and partially vaccinated individuals indoors. This document also summarizes the requirements of Cal OSHA's emergency temporary standards, which among many other directives require employers to have a written COVID-19 prevention program, provide unvaccinated employees with face coverings and ensure that they're worn indoors or in a shared vehicle, document the vaccination status of their fully vaccinated employees who are unmasked on the job, and provide respirators, such as N95s, to unvaccinated or partially vaccinated employees upon request. The document with the green header lists the rights of workers, which include the rights to training on COVID prevention, access to personal protective equipment on the job, time and materials for hand washing, free COVID testing during work hours, and paid leave in the event of isolation or self-quarantine necessitated by workplace COVID infection or exposure, as well as uh, the requirements for documentation of vaccination status. We continue to emphasize that workers' rights to safety are important because workers need to be able to do their jobs without unnecessary risks to themselves, their families, and their friends. COVID remains a highly infectious virus that is easily transmitted, particularly indoors among those not yet vaccinated. The good news is that protecting workers is not that complicated. Mobile teams are available to come to workplaces to offer vaccines to unvaccinated uh, employees. Masks and respirators are in good supply and our team at DPH is available to answer questions and address concerns. Let's please continue to take care of each other so that we can get back to slowing down COVID-19 transmission across the county. Thank you, and I'll take your questions.
0: As a reminder, if you have a question, you can click on the hand icon, which is in the participant panel, or uh, send me, the host, uh, a message
2: via the chat.
0: Our first question will come from Claudia Pescuta with KNX.
2: Hi, um, I'm wondering if there's any data on people who have had COVID not been vaccinated and then been reinfected and, and whether there's, uh, you know, any evidence that uh, perhaps those numbers might be going up with the growing spread of the Delta variant.
1: Thanks. Yeah, thank thanks so much. Um, we don't have that data um, currently on a large enough sample uh, here in LA County. It's a very good question. I mean, there's national data um, that shows that that natural immunity definitely wanes over time. So if you consider the fact that we had so many people infected during the surge, but now we're six, seven months away from that, it makes perfect sense that many people who were infected perhaps during the surge may be getting reinfected now. Um, I think we need to look towards the national databases uh, for better information on that. That's captured in a more rigorous way, but thanks for that.
0: I don't have another question right now, that (laughs) may
1: change. (laughs) Thank you. We can go on to the next question. And that'll be from Patrick
0: Healy with NBC News. Hi, uh,
1: Dr. Ferrer, please talk
0: about this startling increase in the daily case rate. Um, but 1st, if you would clarify, uh, I believe you said this is up 165% uh, over what time period are we talking about. Uh, But in any event, you were talking about a doubling of of the case rate last week. So clearly we're in a period of exponential growth. What does this mean?
1: Yeah, thanks so much, Patrick. Obviously, you know, a, a really important question, given the concerning data that we're presenting, um, you know, taken, you know, just on its own. Out of context of of all that we've gone through and lived through in terms of COVID transmission, uh, when you see this, you know, first what was a doubling of cases in one week, and now obviously a tripling of cases uh, this week, uh, just with this one day, um, it, it is um, important for us to recognize that between the case numbers increasing uh, significantly and the test positivity. Increasing significantly over a very short period of time, we have increased transmission and it's likely that this reflects, um, a few different things. You know, 1st. Uh, increased circulation of the Delta variant for sure. Um, all of the evidence indicates that this variant is by far the most infectious. Uh, variant of concern that we've seen yet, um, and in fact, is as, as much as 2 times more infectious. Uh, then the alpha variant, uh, what we call the UK variant, which, you know, for us was 1 of the most infectious variants we had seen. Um, and I've shown that it now uh, is circulating widely here and across, uh, the rest of the country. We do uh, have a fairly high vaccination rate. Um, and that's providing us with a lot of protection for people fully vaccinated, but we also have lots of people not yet vaccinated. Uh, we're a large county and so the numbers are staggering in terms of people who are at risk of uh, being able to get infected. So, you couple a more infectious variant with still significant numbers of people not yet vaccinated, and as I say, 1.3 million children under 12 not eligible to be vaccinated. With um, our full reopening, uh, where we're being, you know, where we're able now to enjoy many of, uh, you know, sort of the joys of, of summer, uh, without uh, the restrictions that we had earlier, um, there's there's absolutely more opportunities for people to be gathering with other people. And when all those people or many of those people are unvaccinated, uh, we can have uh, more spread, particularly if that's happening in indoor settings, whether those are indoor work sites or those are indoor gatherings. Uh, a significant number of unvaccinated people indoors with a highly contagious Delta variant circulating uh, makes it uh, fairly easy uh, for this vaccine to be transmitted and transmitted at higher rates uh, than we would like to see. You now, obviously, um, we think there are protections uh, that are available right now that would help us get back to slowing the spread. And, and that's the good news. Uh, we, we didn't have the vaccines before, and they are the most powerful tool. Uh, for for really dampening almost all of this transmission. In many ways COVID-19 has become a vaccine preventable disease. Um, So the first line of defense for everybody 12 and older is obviously um, to build your confidence in this vaccine, get good information, and and come in as soon as possible to get vaccinated. Uh, And for those who are not yet vaccinated, uh you need to go back to doing what we were all doing before we had vaccines uh wearing masks is required indoors for everybody who's not vaccinated um and we continue to stress that it's pretty easy for all of us to protect the large number of unvaccinated people by wearing our masks as well even if we're vaccinated when we're indoors and we can also uh, go ahead if we're unvaccinated and move as many activities with other people outdoors as possible, keep our distance and absolutely maintain a good hand hygiene. Um, so we've got tools um, and and the tools we have at hand will be very effective if we all uh, are able to use them. Thank you, Doctor. Thank you. Thank you, Patrick.
0: Great, next we'll go to Ron Lynn with the LA Times.
2: Hi, Dr. Fur. thanks for taking our questions. Um, I- was wondering uh, if, if your wrist is doing okay, just um, just <laughs> to see how you're doing, but we... okay,
1: yes, my wrist is fine. <laughs> okay.
2: We do have uh, 3 questions for you today. Um, uh, it, uh, just a preview imagining what the fall might look like the issue of vaccinated people possibly spreading the virus and, and any ideas about boosting up vaccinations. So, 1st. Um, So we're seeing, uh, it's a complicated story that we're seeing, you know, we're seeing historically low case of cases and hospitalizations. Our deaths are among the lowest they've been over the past 15 months. But then, as you said, we're seeing a doubling of the positivity rate, a tripling of the case rate, Uh, and as you said today, deaths might go up. So can you talk about how LA County might look like by the end of the summer? What's the worst case scenario? I'm guessing it can't be as as, as bad as last winter. What's the best case scenario and what's the most likely scenario? Two, you've talked uh, about how a number of fully vaccinated individuals can become infected and may be able to infect others. Specifically, is there anything you've seen in your epidemiology in LA county that suggests that vaccinated people are spreading the virus to unvaccinated people? And finally, you've said that building vaccine confidence is key, but that can be a slow and deliberate. Process given the persistent gaps in vaccine uptake and increases in cases and hospitalizations, is there anything else in the county's toolbox to get more people vaccinated quicker? Thanks.
1: Um, yeah, thanks so much, Ron. Um, so let let me uh, let's just uh, you know uh, start with your first question, which of course is is uh, in many ways the most difficult. Uh, which is, you know, what, what do we, what do we see happening? You know, and by the fall, what are is the best case scenarios? Uh, you know, what would, what would be. Uh, indicate a serious challenge for us here in LA county. What do we think is most likely? Um, you know, we, we do continue to make slow progress on getting more people vaccinated and I, I'm going to keep going back to that because our vaccinations are the most powerful tool. Um, so in the best case scenario, you know, we, we make, uh. Steady progress, Uh, we actually uh, continue to hit, you know, that marker of at least 100,000 new people coming in every week to get vaccinated Um, as, as uh, we get closer, I think, to the FDA giving full approval for vaccines. I think that will also help build some confidence and hopefully that happens uh, in the next 2 months. Um, And, you know, we, we see this steady progress being made, particularly. In places where we have the biggest gaps uh, in vaccine coverage, so um, you know that that is you know the best case scenario. We really get to herd immunity, and we get there you know sometime by early fall. You know the worst case scenario is that we see a, a drop off in in people getting vaccinated, and we continue to see a proliferation of the Delta variant, uh, which means that for unvaccinated people, the risk just keeps going up. Uh, as there's more community transmission, um, and and that would mean, you know, unfortunately. Um, we would have increased illness. Amongst, uh, many communities that have already been hit hard and at some point, this translates, uh, as well to some increases in deaths. Um, I, I'm confident that. Um, we are not going to see. What we saw last fall in terms of just overwhelming heartache of of so many people dying um, over a very short period of time, primarily because many of the people at highest risk have, in fact, been fully vaccinated. And for people at high risk, um, this disease was devastating. Um, We have. Obviously, however, always have had people at lower risk who, in fact, have passed away from COVID-19, uh, very healthy people who, in fact, have passed away. So the risk is not zero for unvaccinated people, and our numbers indicate that. You know, we continue to see people who pass away from COVID-19, and they are, frankly, here in our county, uh, you know, 99 points, I think 8 or point six percent of them, Uh, are still people who are completely unvaccinated. So this is where the risk is uh, for us. Uh, you know, the most likely scenario for us is that we continue to make slow and steady progress uh, that people get back to. If you're not vaccinated, get back to being very comfortable uh, taking those public health precautions that will work when you don't have a vaccine uh, or you're not able to get vaccinated, uh, which means, you know, really masking up a lot keeping distance uh, and using good um, hand hygiene, good hygiene in general, uh, to avoid as much transmission. We're obviously going to stay very focused on workplaces uh, so that uh, we don't have a lot of transmission happening at those workplaces. Uh, we are have our inspector, inspectors out all the time, uh, giving good information to uh, all places of business so they understand how easy it is to report to us if they have cases, so that we can quickly come in and work to prevent large outbreaks. Um, And and so, you know, there are strategies that we've used all along that we will continue to use to protect those people uh, not yet vaccinated. Uh, But I think you're right um, that, you know, at the end of the day, uh, the work in front of us is to improve uh, confidence in these vaccines among people who are not yet vaccinated and You know, we will uh, try lots and lots of different strategies with all of our partners. Uh, The most successful strategy to date is uh, making sure that people are getting their information from other people that they trust um, and working to build out those teams of. Folks that are in the neighborhoods uh, that are can be trusted and have good information uh, remains 1 of the most important strategies. So we'll continue to do that while we. Make sure that access uh, remains as easy as possible. Uh, and in terms of the last question about, you know, how, how. How risky is, is the world for fully vaccinated people? And what do we, we know ourselves amongst uh, fully vaccinated people being able to. Spread the virus um, to somebody else, uh, even if they're just uh, mildly uh, ill. Um, because obviously our data shows that very few people fully vaccinated get very ill. Um, there is, you know, there there we we do have teams that are out there working, especially closely in our nursing homes, uh, but the numbers are are very very small, and it's complicated to tease apart uh, the web of um, con- close contacts and uh, the sources of possible uh, infection because of the long incubation period. Um, So we rely very heavily on what researchers and scientists are telling us, which is that there have been uh, articles now written, uh, information from other health ministries, particularly in in, uh, Israel and the UK, that have shown, in fact, that very small number of fully vaccinated people uh, have, in fact, been able to transmit. But the numbers are tiny. Um, So the protection uh, that these vaccines offer everyone is, is so much greater um, than any of the possibilities that fully vaccinated people are gonna be a main source of of, uh, transmission of variants at this point. That's just not likely. And there's no data that indicates that that's uh, happening anywhere.
2: Great, next we're gonna go to uh, Josh Haskell with ABC7. Thanks, Dr. Ferrer. I know that you just said that the protection is so much greater if you are vaccinated, uh, but can you just go over uh, talking specifically about the delta variant? Is, is that the case? In regards to the delta variant, because that percentage that you showed earlier was higher than any of the other variants and also my 2nd question, why do you think other cities and the state of California have not followed L. A county and put out the mass recommendation for indoors? Even if you were
1: vaccinated. Um. Yeah, thanks so much, Josh. Um, well, let let me, let me, um, let me start with the, um. The 1st question, uh, you know, the numbers are super small on, you know, I showed that table, uh, that, that talked about the Delta variant, the alpha variant, the gamma variant, and then all other variants that kind of pulled, you know, pulled together. Um, and, and what you saw was very small numbers, uh, in, in all groups of people fully vaccinated. Uh, who in fact uh, became infected with one of these variants. Um, So when you see, you know, for the Delta variant, I think it was 11% and it was like 9% uh, for the Alpha variant, Um, because those are such tiny numbers. uh, If you were to look at this um, using some statistical tools, you would find out that your confidence intervals are huge. And actually there's absolutely no difference between these groups as we get, you know, uh, more, you know, higher numbers um, of of both specimens that get sequenced, and also because there are higher numbers, you'll see higher numbers of the breakthrough infections, we'll be able to really assess whether or not there are some real differences here. But right now, I would say your chances um, of, you know, uh, a post-vaccination infection uh, for the Delta variant are very similar to what your chances were for that happening for the Alpha variant and the Gamma variant, as well as all other variants uh, that we've been sequencing for. And I want to note again, it's, you know, it is complicated to present this data uh, because of the way we sample uh, and um, go ahead and process the specimens. Uh, Pretty much we try for every single breakthrough case, every single case uh, that we have a positive test result for people who are fully vaccinated. uh, We try our best uh, to be able to get those samples sequenced Uh, because again, it's really important to understand as you're asking uh, this question about, is there more likelihood of people who are fully vaccinated to become infected with the Delta variant than either some other variant or just what used to be the dominant circulating virus here in LA County. Um, so to answer that question, you know, we try to make sure we're actually sequencing just about everybody who's a breakthrough case, but then, because these are convenience samples, you're also in some ways, you're really skewing these results because. You're oversampling those people who are actually breakthrough cases compared to people who are unvaccinated, uh, or, or, um, don't have full vaccination coverage. Um, So, I I would say again that, you know, these numbers are very, very small, and they really indicate that these vaccines provide powerful protection uh, against the variants. And as we noted uh, last week, we we don't do this analysis every week because we have to contact all the people who are infected. Uh, But uh, as we noted last time, uh, we had really talked to uh, most of the people, 90% of the people who were fully vaccinated and infected with the delta variant. And we found out for that 90% uh, that, um, you know, uh, they there were many of them that had mild symptoms, but in the entire group of of the sample of folks, nobody ended up in the hospital and nobody ended up passing away. Uh, again, numbers are very, very small, uh, but they do really speak volumes about for now, how protective uh, these vaccines are uh, among the viruses uh, that may be circulating the variants, as well as what used to be our dominant uh, virus strain, uh, what's circulating here in LA County. So I'd just encourage everyone to focus on the fact that if you're fully vaccinated, your chances of getting infected are really, really small, even uh, with the Delta variant uh, floating around. All
0: right, and I'll go to one last quick question from Marla Tellas with Fox Eleven.
1: Hello, Dr. Ferrer. Uh, given the uh, increase, this increases that we're seeing in, in cases and hospitalizations, uh, do you foresee instituting any more restrictions? No, we're we're right now uh, in a place where although we're seeing increases that we wish were not happening, and and we do have to get ourselves, as we have done in the past, back to slowing the spread again. Uh, we feel like with the tools at hand uh, right now, and the rate of transmission, and the case rates overall, uh, we can continue to just work at improving vaccination rates and uh, getting people to mask up when they're indoors. Uh, so, um, so, we think if uh, if, you know, if everyone can follow the rules that are out there right now, and the strong recommendations uh, to be very careful when you're indoors, and there may be people who are unvaccinated or people whose vaccination status you don't know. Uh, and go ahead and take that extra precaution there. Uh, we feel that, uh, we may we have a very good chance at, at really getting back to slowing the spread. So, thanks for that. We'll go ahead now and I'll turn it back over to you, Tim for Spanish.
0: Yeah, that's great. Thanks. And if we didn't get your question, we apologize. Uh, you can go ahead and send us an email at media at dot dot gov uh, and we will uh, get back to you as soon as possible. Uh, We'll be doing uh, Spanish remarks at
3: 3 o'clock. Thank you. Eh, Gracias por por acompañarnos en la sesión informativa de hoy. Esta tarde compartiremos una actualización sobre casos, hospitalizaciones y muertes y vacunaciones por edad, raza y etnia. Información sobre la variante Delta en el condado de Los Ángeles. Información sobre nuestros esfuerzos para mejorar el acceso a las vacunas y generar confianza en las vacunas, y actualizaciones sobre casos de COVID-19 en personas completamente vacunadas. También traremos con estrategias para proteger a los trabajadores y sus derechos. Um, please uh, Slide número one, please. favor. Nos entristece informar 11 muertes adicionales hoy. Todas las personas que murieron tenían problemas de salud preexistentes. Esto eleva el número total de muertes a 24,525 en el condado de Los Ángeles. Para aquellos de ustedes que han perdido amigos, familiares o un ser querido o un compañero de trabajo por este virus, eh, les damos nuestro más sentido pésame. Hoy estamos reportando 839 casos nuevos. Un aumento del 165% con respecto a la semana pasada, lo que eleva el número total de casos en el condado de Los Ángeles a 1.254.354. Nuestra tasa promedio de casos es de 3,5 casos nuevos por cada 100.000 personas, y esto representa un cambio de 1,74 casos por 100.000. Actualmente hay 296 personas hospitalizadas por COVID. Actualmente hay 48 investigaciones abiertas en entornos residenciales colectivos y entornos no residenciales con al menos un caso confirmado de COVID-19. A la fecha, se han realizado pruebas a más de 7 millones de personas y se han informado los resultados de las pruebas en el condado de Los Ángeles. Nuestra tasa diaria de casos positivos con base en la prueba es de 2,5%, un aumento con respecto a la tasa de 1,2% de la semana pasada. Next slide, please. Este gráfico muestra las líneas de tendencia en casos, hospitalizaciones y muertes en nuestro condado desde el 1 de marzo hasta el 30 de junio de este año. Seguimos viendo un repunte de casos y hospitalizaciones. Las muertes continúan siendo bajas con solo unas pocas muertes por día. A medida que las hospitalizaciones continúan aumentando, en unas pocas semanas a partir de ahora, las muertes podrán aumentar. Next slide, please. Los aumentos de casos y hospitalizaciones que estamos viendo no se distribuyen equitativamente entre nuestros residentes. En esta diapositiva puede ver las tasas de casos, hospitalización y mortalidad ajustadas por edad entre todos los grupos raciales y étnicos durante periodos de dos semanas que terminan el 29 de mayo y el 26 de junio de este año. Cuando miramos las tasas de casos nuevos, podemos ver que durante el mes anterior al 26 de junio, los casos comenzaron a aumentar entre los grupos raciales y étnicos, aunque el mayor número fue entre los residentes afroamericanos cuya tasa de casos aumentó de 38 casos por 100.000 personas a 65 casos por 100.000 personas, un aumento del 170%. También vimos que las tasas de casos de casos aumentaron de un 122% en los residentes latinos, un 137% en los residentes blancos y un 166% en los residentes asiáticos. Durante el mismo lapso mientras que las tasas de hospitalización disminuyeron durante entre un 20 y un 30% entre los residentes latinos y blancos, estas tasas han tenido una tendencia a subir levemente del 5 al 15% en los residentes afroamericanos y asiáticos. Las tasas de mortalidad no han seguido el mismo patrón, pues han disminuido sust- sustancialmente en todos los grupos raciales y étnicos. En el pasado, El aumento en las hospitalizaciones ha dado lugar en general, unas semanas después, a un aumento proporcional de las muertes. Sin embargo, tenemos la esperanza de que las tasas muy altas de vacunación entre los residentes mayores y muchos de aquellos con problemas de salud subyacentes resulten en un aumento menor de muertes luego de este aumento en las hospitalizaciones. Incluso sin el mismo nivel de amenaza para el sistema de atención médica que experimentamos durante el pico de la pandemia, el aumento en las tasas de casos y el desproporcionado aumento de casos entre los residentes afroamericanos y latinos son preocupantes y requieren una acción específica para prevenir malos resultados entre los que ya han sufrido mucho. Reducir la transmisión es también nuestra mejor protección contra las mutaciones del virus que crean variantes más peligrosas. Next slide, please. Sabiendo que existe un riesgo adicional entre los que aún no están vacunados, incluidos los 1,3 millones de niños menores de 12 años y las tasas de cobertura más bajas entre los adolescentes, estamos mirando de cerca las tasas de contagio entre los niños y los jóvenes. Este gráfico muestra la distribución de casos entre niños menores de 18 años por raza y etnia. Si vemos un aumento de las tasas de casos en todos los grupos, la tasa de casos en los niños afroamericanos indicada por la línea naranja ha aumentado mucho más rápido que en otros grupos. Desde el 31 de mayo, la tasa de casos entre los niños latinos aumentó de 15 a 21 casos por 100.000 un aumento del 40%, mientras que, mientras que la tasa de casos entre los niños afroamericanos aumentó del 15 a 65 casos por mil, un aumento de 430%. A medida que aumenta la transmisión en las comunidades con tasas de vacunación más bajas, aquellas que aún no están protegidas por la vacuna siguen siendo más vulnerables a la infección, incluidos niños y adolescentes. Es particularmente cierto si hay más reuniones con amigos y familiares no vacunados en interiores. Estos datos sirven para recordar lo importante que es usar la mascarilla y las acciones para el control de infecciones entre aquellos que no han sido vacunados. Con buenas medidas de prevención, casi toda esta transmisión se puede detener antes de que comience. Next slide, please. Con el reciente aumento de casos, el seguimiento a la proliferación de variantes preocupantes sigue siendo una prioridad a medida que buscamos comprender mejor los factores que pueden estar contribuyendo al aumento de la transmisión comunitaria. Últimamente, hemos estado observando, en particular de cerca, las variantes de Delta, que se detectaron por primera vez en India y que ahora se estima que constituyen cerca de la mitad de los casos en Estados Unidos. Estamos especialmente preocupados por esta variante porque parece ser bastante contagiosa, es decir, se propaga más que incluso otras variantes de COVID-19 bastante contagiosas y porque existe la preocupación de que pueda causar infecciones más graves que otras variantes de COVID-19. Y aunque los datos que han surgido afirman que las personas completamente vacunadas están bien protegidas de infecciones graves con variante Delta, las personas con una sola vacuna no están tan bien protegidas. Y hay más pruebas de que una cantidad muy pequeña de personas completamente vacunadas puede infectarse y pueden infectar a otros. Esta diapositiva muestra variantes identificadas tanto por el Laboratorio de Salud Pública como por un grupo de otros laboratorios de California de 7,289 muestras vinculadas con residentes del Condado de Los Ángeles. Las variantes Delta están representadas en amarillo brillante en las barras de este gráfico. Comenzamos a ver un pequeño aumento de estos casos entre los residentes del Condado de Los Ángeles a principios de abril y seguimos viendo un aumento en las variantes de Delta como una proporción de las variantes de preocupación obtenidas por la secuenciación. Pero puede ver en este cuadro la variante Delta es la variante secuenciada con más frecuencia en el contado de Los Ángeles desde principios de junio y ahora representa la mayoría de las variantes preocupantes identificadas por los laboratorios. Next slide, please. Esta línea de tendencia muestra la trayectoria de la variante Delta entre las muertas muestras secuenciadas por varios laboratorios que prestan servicios en el sur de California, incluido el Laboratorio de Salud Pública del Condado de Los Ángeles. El número de secuencias recolectadas entre el 20, el 20 y el 26 de junio que tenían variantes Delta aisladas fue 63, 54% de todas secuencias recolectadas esa semana. Esto está representado en la tabla por la línea azul. Debido a que las decisiones sobre qué muestra secuenciar a menudo son impulsadas por el manejo de los brotes, un esfuerzo por comprender los casos de avance de la vacuna, no podemos generalizar a partir de estos datos a la población en general. Sin embargo, la proporción creciente de delta entre las variantes secuenciadas de interés es consistente con lo que están viendo otras partes de Estados Unidos y con certeza representa una mayor circulación de la variante. Dado que un poco más de un poco menos perdón de 4 millones de residentes en el condado de Los Ángeles aún no están vacunados, el riesgo de una mayor propagación sigue siendo muy alto. Next slide, please. Uno de los temores que algunos tienen sobre la variante Delta es que las personas completamente vacunadas no están tan protegidas de la infección con estas variantes como lo están de otras variantes de COVID-19. Los datos hasta la fecha sugieren que esto no es cierto. Esta diapositiva compara el estado de vacunación de los residentes del condado de Los Ángeles entre aquellos cuyas muestras arrojaron cualquiera de las tres variantes principales identificadas en uno de los laboratorios del sur de California durante el mes de junio. La información más convincente de esta diapositiva es como muy pocas personas que están completamente vacunadas están infectadas por las variantes. En general. La proporción de infecciones posteriores a la vacunación fue similar en todos estos tipos de variantes. Entre las personas cuyas muestras provejeron variantes Delta, alrededor del 11% estaban completamente vacunadas, en comparación con el 9% de las variantes Alfa, antes llamadas variantes Reino Unido, y el 7% de las variantes Gamma, antes llamadas variantes Brasil, y el 11% de todas las demás variantes. Es probable que estas leves diferencias en los porcentajes sean demasiado pequeñas para que sean estadísticamente significativas y no sugieren grandes diferencias entre el riesgo que representan estas variantes para las personas completamente vacunadas. Next slide, please. Los datos dejan cada vez más claro que las vacunas siguen siendo la herramienta más importante que tenemos para mantener baja la propagación del COVID-19 y la incubación de variantes. Aunque la administración de la vacuna ha disminuido, todavía estamos haciendo algunos avances, como puede ver en esta diapositiva. Al 4 de julio hemos administrado casi 10,6 millones de dosis de vacuna en el condado, incluidas casi 5,9 millones de primeras dosis, y casi 4,7 millones de segundas dosis. Eso significa que más de 5,7 millones de residentes del Condado de Los Ángeles han recibido una dosis y casi 5 millones están completamente vacunados. Entre los residentes del Condado de Los Ángeles mayores de 16 años, el 69% ha recibido una dosis de la vacuna y el 60% se ha vacunado por completo. Y entre nuestros adultos mayores de 65 años o más, el 88% ha recibido una dosis de la vacuna y el 77% está completamente vacunado. Next slide, please. Si bien millones han hecho su parte para vacunarse, seguimos viendo que menos personas de las que nos gustaría recibir sus primeros, han recibido sus primeras dosis de vacuna semana a semana. Como puede ver en las tendencias de vacunación representadas en esta diapositiva, entre el 28 de junio y el 4 de julio administramos 58,798 dosis en toda la red del condado. Y mientras es probable que este número aumente debido al retraso de los informes, pero es poco probable que alcance las 100,000 dosis que esperamos administrar cada semana. A medida que aumentan los casos, también aumenta la urgencia de vacunar a más personas. Next slide, please. Aunque es decepcionante que nos preocupe que las cifras generales de vacunación sean más bajas de lo que necesitamos, hay aumentos continuos en la vacunación entre los grupos de edad más jóvenes. Al 4 de julio, el 39% de nuestros jóvenes de 12 a 15 años habían recibido al menos una vacuna, al igual que el 54% de nuestros jóvenes de 16 a 17 años. Mientras tanto, las vacunaciones en personas de 18 a 29 años aumentaron al 57% y el porcentaje de personas de 30 a 49 años vacunados aumentó a 65%. Next slide, please. Al mismo tiempo que estamos viendo un aumento en los casos y las hospitalizaciones que afectan de manera desproporcionada a niños y adultos de diferentes razas y etnias, también estamos viendo brechas entre estos grupos en lo que respecta a la vacunación. Para las personas de 16 años o más, el 45% de los residentes afroamericanos y el 54% de los residentes latinos han recibido al menos una dosis de la vacuna y no estamos viendo aumentos relativos en estos grupos, lo que dificulta lograr avances significativos para cerrar las brechas. El 62% de los indígenas americanos, el 65% de los blancos, y el, 60, y el 76% de los asiáticos están vacunados. Next slide, please. Cuando miramos los grupos de Eh, los subgrupos de edad por raza y etnia, como lo hemos hecho en esta diapositiva, seguimos viendo las mismas brechas preocupantes entre los adolescentes y los adultos más jóvenes que hemos visto en las últimas semanas. Entre los grupos de edad de 12 a 15 años y de 16 a 17 años, entre un cuarto y dos tercios de los adolescentes afroamericanos y latinos se vacunan en comparación con sus homólogos indígenas americanos, nativos de Alaska, blancos y asiáticos. Los datos también muestran una brecha significativa entre los adultos jóvenes de 18 a 29 años. El 28% de los adultos afroamericanos en esta categoría y el 43% de los adultos latinos han sido vacunados en comparación con el 76% de los asiáticos y el 58% de los blancos, entre la mitad y dos tercios menos. La desproporción persiste entre nuestros jóvenes de 30 a 49 años. En este grupo, cerca de la mitad de los adultos afroamericanos han sido vacunados en comparación con sus homólogos asiáticos y blancos. Es particularmente preocupante ver brechas persistentes entre los adultos jóvenes y de mediana edad, que son una buena parte tan importante de nuestra fuerza laboral, especialmente cuando muchos de ellos también son miembros de las comunidades donde los casos están aumentando. Desarrollar la confianza en las vacunas y tomar acciones sensatas de salud pública para brindar protección a las personas no vacunadas en estos grupos sigue siendo una de nuestras principales prioridades. Next slide, please. La forma más poderosa de proteger a las personas en las comunidades más afectadas, en muchas de las cuales están los trabajadores esenciales, es cerrar las brechas de vacunación. Sin embargo, como puede ver en esta diapositiva, esas brechas en resultados de salud persisten y se están ampliando entre los grupos. La tasa de incidencia de casos ajustada por edad en los residentes afroamericanos es de 65 casos nuevos por cada 100.000 personas, dos veces y media más que en los residentes latinos, cuyas tasas de casos son dos veces y media más que las de los residentes asiáticos. La tasa de hospitalización ajustada por edad en los residentes afroamericanos es de 9,3 hospitalizaciones por cada 100.000 personas, 1,7 veces más que la de los residentes latinos y más de 5 veces más alta de la que la de los residentes asiáticos. La razón principal de la brecha se ven las diferencias en las tasas de vacunación. El 75% de los residentes asiáticos están vacunados en comparación con el 45% de los residentes afroamericanos. Estas tendencias generales también van en la dirección equivocada para todos y son particularmente preocupantes dada la proliferación de la variante Delta. En este momento, las personas tienen los niveles más bajos de protección contra este virus en las comunidades donde la transmisión es más alta. Next slide please. Como mencionamos anteriormente, la desproporción de los casos está relacionada con la desproporción en nuestras tasas de vacunación y hemos compartido datos que muestran cómo la carga que soportan las personas según la raza y el origen étnico es diferente. Los mapas de esta diapositiva muestran que estas brechas también se ven en la geografía. A la izquierda hay un mapa que muestra el porcentaje de personas en cada comunidad del Condado de Los Ángeles que habían recibido al menos una dosis de la vacuna hasta el 16 de junio. A la derecha hay un mapa que muestra la tasa de casos durante 14 días por cada mil personas en cada comunidad al mes siguiente. Como puede ver, las áreas con el porcentaje más bajo de vacunación a la izquierda, indicadas por por tonos de color café, son las áreas con las tasas de casos más altas a la derecha, indicadas por tonos de verde oscuro. Next slide, please. Para cerrar estas brechas, debemos hacer que sea muy fácil vacunarse para los residentes que pueden recibir la vacuna en el condado de Los Ángeles y continuamos ofreciendo vacunas en muchos sitios diferentes en todo el condado. Como puede ver en este mapa, esta semana hay 767 lugares que ofrecen vacunas incluidas farmacias, clínicas, sitios comunitarios y hospitales. Puede ver que muchos de nuestros sitios de vacunación están concentrados en las áreas que han sido duramente afectadas por la pandemia. Como recordatorio, puede obtener vacunas en los sitios administrados por el condado, todos los sitios administrados por la Ciudad de Los Ángeles, casi todos los sitios móviles y muchos sitios comunitarios sin una cita previa. Muchos sitios abren los fines de semana y tienen horario nocturno. Visite vacunatelosangeles.com para encontrar un sitio cerca a usted. Next slide, please. Una de nuestras principales estrategias para mejorar el acceso a la vacuna es desplegar los equipos de vacunación móviles adicionales que llevan las vacunas a los vecindarios para acceder a las personas que pueden tener capacidad o tiempo limitados para ir a uno de los sitios de vacunación establecidos. Los marcadores azules de este mapa indican los 173 sitios donde nuestros equipos móviles ofrecerán vacunas esta semana, que se concentran en estas áreas de mayor necesidad y más afectadas. Este número es algo más bajo de lo que ha sido en las últimas semanas debido al feriado federal del Día de la Independencia a principios de esta semana. Los equipos móviles de vacunas están trabajando con... Empleadores y organizaciones comunitarias para proporcionar vacunas en lugares convenientes donde se reúnen los residentes. Hay un formulario en el sitio de internet para solicitar un equipo móvil. Y alentamos a los empleadores y organizadores de eventos a que nos avisen cuando quieren albergar un equipo. Tenemos sitios instalados en tiendas minoristas, parques, centros de recreación y muchos otros lugares de reunión en todo el condado para que sea lo más fácil posible para los residentes vacunarse. Next slide, please. Además de llevar nuestros sitios móviles y establecidos a los vecindarios donde más se necesitan, también hemos estado llevando a cabo actividades de divulgación puerta a puerta para informar a los residentes sobre las oportunidades de vacunación, particularmente nuestros tres sitios de vacunación más nuevos. Entre finales de junio y principios de julio, el personal de nuestros sitios de vacunación y grupos de trabajadores de salud comunitarios, de organizaciones comunitarias asociadas, visitaron docenas de negocios y cientos de residentes en sus hogares cerca de los nuevos sitios de vacunación en Commerce, Norwalk y el Parque Ted Watkins. Las historias que que escuchamos de estos equipos sobre los resultados de su trabajo afirman la efectividad de la educación individualizada sobre vacunas. Un equipo informó que de un encuentro con el propietario de una tienda que visitaron. Más tarde, ese propietario llegó a uno de nuestros sitios de vacunación con un empleado que tenía preguntas sobre las vacunas. Los miembros de nuestro equipo de vacunación hablaron con el empleado sobre la efectividad de la vacuna y le explicaron la historia de las vacunas de ARNM, que son las del COVID, y cómo funcionan. El empleado finalmente decidió recibir la vacuna en ese mismo momento, con un aplauso rotundo de todo el personal y otros residentes del lugar. Como recordó uno de los miembros del personal, y diremos sus palabras, fue realmente gratificante saber que no necesariamente convencimos a un cliente, sino que lo educamos lo suficientemente bien para que se sintiera cómodo tomando una decisión informada. Con suerte, podrá contar su historia a, a otras personas y transmitir buena información sobre las vacunas a sus amigos y familiares. Next slide, please. A través de los centros de distribución como estos y nuestros esfuerzos móviles, estamos avanzando en la entrega de vacunas a los residentes de los códigos postales que tienen los puntajes más bajos del índice de lugares saludables, conocidos como códigos postales HPI-PLUS. Estas comunidades con menos recursos necesarios para estar saludables en comparación con otros códigos postales y además son comunidades que han sido las más afectadas por la pandemia. Como parte, como puede ver en este cuadro, el Condado de Los Ángeles está administrando un porcentaje mayor de dosis a las personas que viven en comunidades con menos recursos necesarios para estar saludables en comparación con California en general. Las barras de color azul claro representan el porcentaje de dosis administradas en el Condado de Los Ángeles durante la semana del 28 de junio al 4 de julio. Las barras de color azul oscuro representan el porcentaje acumulado de dosis administradas del Condado de Los Ángeles y las barras naranjas representan el porcentaje de dosis administradas de California. A la izquierda están las asignaciones de dosis a las comunidades con puntajes más bajos en el Condado de Los Ángeles. Durante la semana del 28 de junio al 4 de julio, el Condado de Los Ángeles administró el 44% de las dosis a las personas que vivían en las comunidades con menos recursos. En conjunto, el Condado de Los Ángeles ha administrado el 33% de sus dosis totales a los residentes de estas comunidades. Seguimos enfocados en llevar de manera equitativa vacunas e información de salud de alta calidad a todas nuestras comunidades del Condado de Los Ángeles. Next slide, please. Como señalamos la semana pasada, estamos observando con mucha atención la proporción de personas completamente vacunadas que dan positivo en la prueba, son hospitalizadas o que lamentablemente fallecen debido a COVID-19. Este gráfico presenta estos números en el Condado de Los Ángeles y tengan en cuenta que los círculos aquí no están a escala. Observamos las pruebas positivas en el grupo de más de 4,6 millones de residentes del condado de Los Ángeles que alcanzaron el estado de vacunación completa desde el momento en que comenzamos a vacunar en diciembre al 6 de julio. Entre estas personas completamente vacunadas, identificamos a 2,822 personas que resultaron positivas a la infección por COVID-19 más de dos semanas después de haber sido vacunadas por completo. Esto significa que aproximadamente el 0,06% de todas las personas vacunadas dieron positivo por COVID-19. 195 personas, el 0,004% de las totalmente vacunadas, fueron hospitalizadas por infecciones de COVID-19 contraídas mientras estaban totalmente vacunadas. Y 21 personas murieron a causa de sus infecciones. Esto es 0,0004%. Estos números son muy similares a los números que vimos la última vez que analizamos las infecciones posteriores a la vacunación la semana pasada, con un pequeño aumento solo en las tasas de casos, de 0,048% a 0,06% para los casos. Estaremos observando estos de cerca en las próximas semanas y meses y continuaremos dando actualizaciones regulares. Next slide, please. Debido a que estamos muy agradecidos con todos los que hacen su parte para protegerse a sí mismos y a sus comunidades, continuamos ofreciendo obsequios de agradecimiento a los residentes que que vienen a vacunarse. Queremos expresar nuestra gratitud a los muchos aliados que trabajan tan duro para mejorar la cobertura de vacunación en nuestro condado. Agradecemos el apoyo de nuestros equipos deportivos, lugares de eventos y atracciones locales para ayudar a alentar a quienes aún no están protegidos a informarse y vacunarse. Entre mañana y el próximo jueves, en los sitios de vacunación administrados por el condado, los sitios de la Ciudad de Los Ángeles y los sitios del Centro de Salud Infantil y Familiar de St. John's, todos los mayores de 18 años que vengan a vacunarse tendrán la oportunidad de ganar uno de los siete paquetes de entradas. Los premios incluirán boletos para ver a Celine Dion, Grupo Firma, Kane Brown, Luke Bryan, Dan Anshay, en el Staples Center, y para asistir a conciertos de música clásica en palco en el Hollywood Board. Agradecemos mucho la generosidad de nuestros aliados en todas estas fabulosas atracciones. Con su apoyo, siete af- afortunados disfrutarán tanto de la protección mediante la vacunación como de un espectáculo emocionante en un lugar emblemático del Condado de Los Ángeles. Consulte las reglas oficiales en el sitio de internet del Condado de Los Ángeles para obtener más detalles. Y durante la próxima semana, tómese un tiempo para vacunarse. Next slide, please. A principios de esta semana, publicamos unos nuevos documentos en la sección de guías de nuestro sitio de internet que describen los derechos de los trabajadores y las obligaciones del empleador. Esperamos que las hojas informativas faciliten a las empresas la tarea de proporcionar entornos seguros a sus trabajadores. Las hojas de datos incluyen los requisitos para los negocios y empresas, así como mejores prácticas. Como indica el documento con el encabezado morado, la orden de nuestro funcionario de salud del condado requiere que las empresas informen al Departamento de Salud Pública grupos de tres o más casos entre empleados dentro del lapso de 14 días que exijan el aislamiento y la autocuarentena de los casos y contactos y que exijan el uso de mascarillas en interiores a las personas no vacunadas y parcialmente vacunadas. Este documento también resume los requisitos de las normas temporales de emergencia de la Administración de de Seguridad y Salud Ocupacional de California, OSHA por sus siglas en inglés, que entre muchas otras directrices requieren que los empleados tengan un programa escrito de prevención de COVID-19 Proporcionen a los empleados no vacunados cubiertas para la cara y se aseguren de que las usen en interiores o en vehículos compartidos, que documenten el estado de vacunación de los empleados completamente vacunados que no usan mascarilla en el trabajo y que proporcionen a los empleados no vacunados o parcialmente vacunados respiradores como los N95 si ellos los piden. El documento es con encabezado verde enumera los derechos de los trabajadores que incluyen los derechos a la capacitación en prevención de COVID-19, acceso a equipo de protección personal en el trabajo, tiempo y materiales para lavarse las manos, prueba gratuita de COVID-19 durante las horas de trabajo, licencia remunerada en caso de que requiera aislamiento o autocuarentena debido a infección o o exposición a COVID-19 en el lugar de trabajo y documentación del estado de vacunación. Seguimos enfatizando los derechos de los trabajadores y la seguridad, porque los trabajadores necesitan poder hacer su trabajo sin riesgos innecesarios para ellos mismos, sus familias y sus amigos. El COVID sigue siendo un virus altamente infeccioso que se contagia fácilmente, especialmente en interiores. La buena noticia es que proteger a los trabajadores no es complicado. Hay equipos móviles disponibles para ir a los lugares de trabajo y hay un buen suministro de mascarillas y respiradores. Y nuestro equipo en el Departamento de Salud Pública está disponible para responder preguntas e inquietudes. Sigamos cuidándonos unos a otros y volvamos a disminuir la transmisión de COVID. Muchas gracias.
0: This episode de LA Public Health was produced by the Los Angeles County Department of Public Health. Our department is nationally accredited by the Public Health Accreditation Board and is committed to protecting and improving the health of over 10 million residents in Los Angeles County. For more information about DPH programs and services, visit publichealth.lacounty.gov and follow us on social media at la health. My name is Steve Baldwin, and you've been listening to the LA Public Health podcast.